7. Um, <laughs> why are we in Daniel 7, you might ask. Uh, Dan, is it because it's named after you? Is it, is it why? No, it's, um, it's just so foundational um, that we uh, want to understand these end time teaching. And we've gone through the book of Daniel, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. We come to ch chapter 7, and we've taken a turn. We've coined a turn when we chapter 7. We've gone chapters 1 through 6. We've gone through the history and the experiences that Daniel's had with, with his um, dealing with the kingdom of Babylon and even up to Daniel 6, the kingdom of uh, the Medes and the Persians. But chapter 7, and there was a little bit in chapter 2 as well of, of the prophetic, but chapter 7 is a major corner turn where we have, we are got, we have gotten into what um, Daniel is, what the Lord wants to do in the end times. And he gave Daniel such a picture um, <clears throat> of what's going on. There are 150 chapters in the Bible that deal with end times stuff. Bickles counted them, Mike Bickles counted them. There's about 80 chapters that deal with the gospel. You know about the first coming of Jesus, but about 150 or so to deal with his, his second coming. Um, and so there are resources that help you go as deep as you want into the end time stuff. But the but the fundamentals, all of those things, everything that you want to understand about the end times, that's found in Daniel. Dan, you've got to get Daniel. In fact, you know, Bible recommends you read them both together. I just want to get through Daniel and understand the the histories. Of, I mean, the the uh, the components, the elements, because when we get, when we look through Revelation, or if you're reading through Revelation, if you're reading through Joel, if you're reading through Isaiah, you'll see certain things that have a relationship to Daniel that Daniel saw 2,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, we want to understand what he, what this man went through. Uh, and so when Jesus was asked, I, I keep talking about this, but it's, a, it's an important story. When Jesus was asked uh, about, you know, isn't this a beautiful temple? And Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, it's, going to come a day when not one of these bricks is going to rock, uh, stones is going to be on top of another one. It's going to be completely destroyed. And, and the disciples say, tell us when these, what these things will be and when they will happen. And Jesus goes through the Olivet Discourse, the Matthew 24 uh, Discourse that talks about his version of the end times. He walks them through it right then. Very important to Jesus about how that goes. And at some point, he says, and when you see the desolation of, the, uh, uh, the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. He, he wants us to understand what's in Daniel. So in a way, we're, we're saying, we heard you, Lord. We, we want to understand what's in Daniel. So that's, that's what we're doing. Um, Daniel is still on his bed. <laughs> He's been on his bed for weeks, as far as the House of Prayer is concerned, because we've been taking that long to go through this dream. It really was happening one night for him, but seven, you know, several weeks for us. But he's still in his bed, he's having these, this vision, and he sees these four beasts, and he, uh, he wants to understand what they are, and he sees a vision of, last, last time we went through um, the end of that vision, where he sees uh, what he calls the Ancient of Days, Thrones were set up in verse um, uh, uh, nine. Thrones were set up. The Ancient of Days takes his seat. Um, his, he's, he's covered in white clothing. His hair is white like wool. His throne is ablaze with flames. We talked a little bit about that. A river of fire coming out from before him. Thousands are ministering to him. Myriads upon myriads, that's a thousand, 10,000 times 10,000, around 100 million, are standing before him. 
and the court sits, and the books are open, and that, that and judgment happens. And he says, I keep, and, and Daniel all the while is looking at this, and this horn that came up through the, the fourth most terrifying beast is still boasting all the while while Daniel's seeing this. Boast, 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 boast. Thrones are set up, boast, boast, boast. He's a, he's a glorious, white-robed, uh, white-haired being, and, and things are set up, and there's still boasting going on by that little horn. And then I kept looking um, uh, uh, at the night visions, verse 13, and one like the Son of Man was coming. Uh, and he goes up to the ancient days, and he's presented before him, and to him is given glory, dominion, uh, kingdom, uh, that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. And here this language, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. Um, and so that, um, that we've gone through the four beasts. We've talked a little bit about the Ancient of Days. We, uh, we see the fourth beast get destroyed and thrown into the fire. That's what that particular vision is all about. And we see the Son of Man approaching the throne. We talk about who that Son of Man is. And so now we're going to join, uh, we're going to finish up here in verse uh, 15. <clears throat> you might ask, why is it taking so long to get through? Um, a, I really want to understand the detail, but B, uh, I really want to understand the detail, and it takes me a while. <laughs> so unfortunately, you're going at my pace of learning, so <laughs> um, we can probably go faster, but I, I'm just so fascinated by some of this stuff that unfortunately I can only go that fast. Verse 13, no, 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me. This is after he saw the visions, after he saw the beasts, after he sees the ancient days, the son of man going. My spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. And I, I approached one of those who were standing there and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. And so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. And he said, These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, for all ages to come. And we've talked about how concise a statement that is. Uh, I, I call this section the, the vision interpreted in brief summary. It's like an abstract. You get a, a scientific journal or whatever, you want to find out what they basically, fundamentally what they concluded, you read the abstract. Um, you read the you know, executive summary and some of the, some of the reports that, uh, that you might get in business. Which is, a, which is a very quick summary. If you want to impress your boss, and your boss is on the top floor of the building, you want to have in your head an elevator speech to make your point between first floor and 10th floor. And so this is, this is the elevator speech from, Dan, from the angel, saying here's what's gonna happen. There's four kingdoms rising up, uh, they are terrifying, um, uh, they are, will arise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High will receive it and will possess the kingdom forever. So Daniel, there you go, be, be at peace. And Daniel um, is still distressed. Um, it's the fourth beast that bothers him. It's that fourth beast that is different, different, different. They keep talking about how different that fourth beast is. He's way different. He's different than the other three beasts. Um, and, and the one standing there, uh, Daniel finally says, can you, I really need clarify, uh, clarify, clarification. Um, uh, but first he says, look, in terms of summary, there's these kings that arise out of the earth. Um, uh, the false prophet is described as coming out of the earth in Revelation 13, uh, verse 11. But the Antichrist rises up out of the sea, verse, uh, Revelation 13. Um, 
the earth speaks of godless humanity. This is according to, to Bickel, and I think he's right. Um, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom. Um, that is the objective. That's the heavenly objective. That's where we're going to. And that's what, it, that's what uh, the angel wants us to keep in mind. That is, I think, why the Lord has preserved this for so many years, is to remember that the saints of the highest one will possess, will receive the kingdom, possess it forever, and it will never fade away. It will never go away. Um, what, there's this famous Jewish story I remember hearing in uh, Bible school. Maybe you guys have heard it. I mean, it's so famous you probably heard it as well. But it goes like this. One, uh, the, the, uh, the Jews will tell this. They'll say, you know, one time a Gentile came up to a rabbi and said, um, I will convert to Judaism on one condition. If you can teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. Um, you teach me the entire Torah while I stand on one foot. And, um, and so there, there's back in the Back in uh, history, there's this disagreement between uh, the Rabbi Hillel and another rabbi um, that I didn't write down. And so there's this big, long, drawn-out explanation about how the other rabbi couldn't do it. But uh, Rabbi Hillel said, um, uh, okay, so he stand one foot. So the guy stands one foot. He goes, that which is despicable to you, don't do to your fellow. That's the whole Torah. Everything else is commentary. <laughs> <laughs> And so he could basically, you know, golden rule. It's like, don't do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Everything else is commentary. Oh, and so, uh, you know, I'm sure it's not a real story. But, I, but it's kind of funny because it's a summary. Uh, he, he just summarized, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five books in one verse. Daniel is summarizing 2,500 years of history, or the angel did, by saying, look, there are four kingdoms. They arise out of the out of the earth. They're evil, but the sons of the saints of the Most High will, will take it. Put your foot down. <laughs> so, um, uh, the question is, who is the who are the saints, uh, right? Because Daniel hasn't met Christians. He doesn't know who the Christians are. He, he's twenty five hundred years before. So most people think, and I think it's reasonable to assume that saints are. The, the converted Jews and the converted people from all the nations coming, people who love God, God-fearers, mm -hmm. uh, is, is another word for, for those that are not Jewish, um, the faithful of all nations. Verse 19, then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different than all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze. I only read that because that claws of bronze gets mentioned there. It wasn't mentioned earlier which devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet and, and the ten, dominion of the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up which before, uh, before which three of them fell, <clears throat> namely the horn which uh, had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, which was larger in appearance than its associates. And I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed and the saints of the highest, in favor of the saints of the highest one, time arrived when they took possession of the kingdom. And then he said, this fourth beast, this is the one standing there, that angel, this fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth. It will be different than all the other kingdoms, and he will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. And as for the ten horns, out of that kingdom, ten kings will arise, and, and another will arise after them, an eleventh king. And he will be different from the previous ones, and he'll subdue three kings, and he'll speak out of most of them about the most, speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one. He'll intend to make alterations in times and law 
and they'll be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit in judgment, and the dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. And the sovereignty, dominion, and greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions will serve and obey him. At this point, the revelation ended, and as for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming, and my face grew pale, but I kept smiling for myself. So he's still alarmed and distressed, and he says, what is it? He's talking to the one standing there, the angel standing there. What is it about this beast that is so different than the others? And what does it mean for Israel? What does it mean for my people? Daniel's up in Babylon, right? He's, he's um, 800 miles away from Jerusalem. But he hasn't forgotten Jerusalem. He's an older man by this time. He's in his uh, late 60s or early 70s, perhaps. Um, but the intensity of this empire uh, troubles him. Um, it's, it's how intense it was. And so um, he says, what, do, what does this mean? And so we wouldn't get this detail if Daniel weren't so troubled that he keeps knocking on the door. He keeps asking. He keeps pursuing, and we've talked about how important that is to the Lord, that, that the Lord loves the pursuit. That Daniel could have walked away with, I love that summary. I think that's an excellent summary, an elevator speech. For kingdoms arise, the saints are gonna win. You know, that's, I mean, even I can remember that. I can have a t-shirt made on that, and it summarizes all human history for 2,500 years. But Daniel wants to know more, so he keeps asking, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so the angel says, well, since you're asking, here's what it means. And he goes through and describes it. Um, he says, look, um, that fourth beast is a kingdom. In addition to being a king, it's an, it's an entire kingdom. Um, and it's different than all the other kingdoms. That's going to devour the whole earth, Daniel, and tread it down. Devour as in consume, as in, as in consume all the resources, as in, as in uh, absorb everything. There won't be anything left. And if there is anything left, he goes through and he tramples it down. It's not good, Daniel. This kingdom is not good. Um, ten kings arise from that, uh, and, and, and then an eleventh. And that eleventh one subdues three kings. Uh, that is, that little horn kills three of the kings. So when there are ten very prominent leaders on the earth and three of them get killed, uh, that, that will happen at the hands of this Antichrist. And he's going to speak against the Most High. He will have he will have arrogance against the God, the, the living God that is that is very prominent and a, and a hallmark of who he is. And he's going to wear down the saints. Um, and this fourth beast is not just a kingdom; it's a king. And so, looking at Revelation 17, what Daniel is seeing in the form of the boastful, dominant little horn is a picture of the Antichrist. And that that's. Um, Earlier commentators often saw this little horn referred to as, as different things. Some saw that little horn meaning, oh, well, that's the Pope. Certainly, that's the Pope. That, that's the Pope that's rising up. He's going to overtake kings. Uh, no, no, it's not the Pope. Calvin said it, it represents the Roman Empire itself. Um, some saw it as Maccabees. Some saw it as Julius Caesar, uh, the Turkish Empire. Um, uh, but... Uh, we haven't seen the outcome of that little horn rising up, being squashed, and the saints prevailing. It looks like this is really the best idea is that this is, this is going to point to the Antichrist, even though those, those examples, the Romans and that, uh, Julius Caesar, et cetera, Hitler, Antiochus, Epiphanes, rise up as, as examples of 
Antichrist, exactly like John said, as you know, beloved, he said, many Antichrists have come throughout history. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but there is the Antichrist, there is the preeminent Antichrist coming. Um, so it shouldn't be uh, surprises that there'll be continual little horns that come along. But the crescendo, the, the climax, is this, is this little horn in, in the days described by Daniel. Um, so if it's true that this little horn is a picture of the coming Antichrist, what can we expect to see uh, in the Antichrist? And that's why I picked my handy dandy little chart. <laughs> you have a chart in your notes. I want, I, I had to put this together just to kind of get my head around what are the things we're looking for uh, that, that are gonna mark the Antichrist. If all we had, if we were on a desert island and all we had was chapter seven, and so, um, and then this, this takes liberties even with that a little bit. But what I, I'm trying to organize what Daniel saw, verse 23, verse 24, how the Antichrist is described, and then uh, sort of a distillation of that, some of the signs of the Antichrist. Because um, I want to be prepared, I want us to be prepared for what we're looking for. So for instance, um, verse 23 says, the kingdom will devour the whole earth and tramp it down and, and crush it. Um, and so the Antichrist government will show no mercy or kindness towards those he con conquers. He'll be ruthless and cruel. cruel. Peoples and lands will be impacted by the military takeover. They'll be trampled and pillaged. So even as they're taken over, even as a land is conquered militarily, they'll go back through and they'll trample it some more and they'll make sure that, that there's nothing, no surplus, no, no, um, no, nothing left. What are the marks of the Antichrist then? Well, he'll have a kingdom. Uh, for one thing, um, there'll be no mercy. So, so this, this world leader on the scene will have no mercy. He'll be ruthless, and there'll be complete destruction in his wake. Um, you know, in verse seven seven, the same thing. Destruction is is one of his marks. Um, there'll be verse twenty four, a ten nation alliance. Many commentators say, listen, don't don't go too far on that ten nation coalition. It might be more. It might be less. 10 is a number that's designed to mean completeness in the Bible. Um, I, I, think, I think 10 means 10. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Bickle thinks 10 means 10. Uh, I think commentators say don't go, don't go too far on, on 10 because um, you know, it, you know, they want to be able to say you know, that, that in general, the number isn't necessarily so important as is, as is the theme. But I, I kind of think it's so specific, and it's mentioned so often. Remember the ten toes, fingers, but ten toes from chapter two, same thing, right? And there seems to be something that is repeated for effect. So I'm expecting ten. Um, I'm expecting a ten-nation alliance, um, uh, and there and three kings are being described as being plucked out by the roots, uh, falling before, falling before the little one. That is killed. Uh, before the little, the little horn. Um, different, this little horn is different than the other ones, verse 24. Uh, and that, verse 24, he will subdue three kings. And so when three world leaders are killed at the same time by an 11th king, um, when we see that on the world scene, when that comes across the, the uh, cell phone news media, uh, it's a pretty, that's a, that's a hallmark, that's an, that's an alert. That's one of the things that Daniel talked about 2,500 years ago. And it's very unusual for three major world leaders to die all at the same time, or roughly around the same time. 
So that, that's what I mean by signs of the Antichrist. Um, this other king is going to be um, known to be, uh, you know, he's going to speak against the Most High, he's going to oppress his holy people, um, speaking great boasts. And so with, with uh, leaders that are speaking great boasts, um, he'll be both fearful and he'll be exciting. I mean, they'll be, uh, they'll be. Uh, uh, I want. I almost want to say charismatic in, in, in terms of the way that charismatic used to be, the way John F. Kennedy was charismatic, where where people loved to be around him, or they felt good just listening to him talk. You know, the way Jed Clampett would say, "Ooh, doesn't he talk pretty?" You know, it's, it's that kind of uh, excitement around his words, and yet, and at the same time, arrogant boasting and boasting against the Most High. This person will be. This Antichrist, therefore, in terms of signs of the Antichrist, uh, fearful, but and simultaneously exciting. Um, one of the key signs in verse 25 is he, there's going to be an attempt to change dates and laws um, such that um, legislation will change some of the most important social and spiritual institutions. Um, and, and, he will, and that will probably be involved in verse 25 also. Um, with the holy people being delivered into his hands, uh, meaning that laws may well uh, permit for a time the saints to be killed, people who are, who are obedient to and bowing down to the Lord to be killed legally. Um, and so he, he prevails against the saints for time, times, and half a time. Uh, and time, most conservative commentators think time, times, time is one year, times is two years. That's where the three and a half, a half a times, that's where the three and a half year duration comes from. So, so even if um, uh, the, uh, the, this Antichrist is successful in changing laws and, and calendars and schedules and dates and getting rid of, for instance, holy holidays, etc., uh, he is, in all of this oppression, limited by, by this three and a half years, um, even though for a time he's permitted to kill the saints. Just like Matthew, just like Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, that chapter that I just quoted from where he cites Daniel, he says in 24, looking straight at his, at his disciples, they will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Um, Matthew 24, 9. Uh, so, um, and then I threw in this last thing in that chart. How do the saints overcome? Well, they overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb um, and by the word of their testimony. We, that's, that's Revelation um, uh, 12, 10 through 11. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and because they did not love their lives unto death, some of them overcome by, by saying no to the Antichrist, by refusing to take that mark, by not bowing down to whatever statues put up, and they overcome in that way. And some of us are going to overcome in that way. It was super powerful last night to be able to, to, for Jason to just basically go out on a limb and say, I think you kids are going to see the return of Jesus. And, and to say that and kind of, you know, um, watch various ones of them kind of like get it. And I'm thinking, you know, these guys were, were our, our, our beta, like a, a year and a half out of puberty, you know? So, <laughs> and, and we're talking about the return of Jesus. So we're trying to put some perspective saying, there, there are billions of people on the earth and billions who have died already who yearn to see Jesus, and you guys might well be the ones who've seen him. And, and imagine that. Imagine being a generation 
for that where the Lord has been planning for eons to decide how, when is the best time to come? What is the generation who is most going to be transformed by my coming? And realizing it's them, it's it's us, it, it's those youth in the room. When I look around, I'm, I mean, I'm looking around the different ones there last night. I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> it's 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 mind blowing. I mean, I don't quite even know how to get words around it, but but those they certainly their grandkids and my grandkids um, are likely to see that very thing, and and. How astounding is that? And so, anyway, that that's um, that was kind of a cool thing last night. Uh, I don't know how much they they got it. I don't think they got it very much actually, but um, <coughs> but I was impressed. <laughs> um, so uh, the we talked about who the saints are. What is this thing about? They will be worn down. When they were the saints will be worn down. Um, uh, he, in other words, the saints won't be cut off at once. Uh, it, it, this is going to be a, a war. They used to call it a war of, uh, of attrition, I think they call it, um, where they, it, it's long harassment. It's, it's constant dealing with this and dealing with that, constant hardships, constant weaklings of the family, constant things we have to deal with all the time, and you get worn down by, by that to where it's like, I just want to, I just want it to stop. I just want to be over. And, and I, uh, that's an effective strategy from Satan, as you all know, if you've ever had to endure a long, painful process where you're waiting. Um, um, so, the court sits in judgment, dominion, authority is taken over away, um, and this, this, um, this uh, the saints of the highest one are given sovereignty, dominion, greatness, and all king dominions are serving this highest one. Uh, Daniel hears this. He hears the detailed response from the angel, and he his face is pale, and he's greatly alarmed. He's he, he's basically in shock. Uh, Dan Daniel's in shock um, at what he saw with that fourth beast, and what the implications are for his people, Israel. And and there's a, at some level, I, I'm trying to get my head around why a man would have a vision. Um, and realize that it's for the far off distant future and be so personally affected. I mean, I know people are empathetic to larger degrees than, than others, but, but why would he be? And part of me thinks, I'm not sure that he thought it was that far off. Part, I think that he actually thought this, this, is, this is likely to happen. He's having this dream when Belshazzar is king. Uh, Belshazzar is the next king after Nebuchadnezzar. In two years, Belshazzar is going to see that writing on the wall, and, he, and Belshazzar is going to be gone, and the Medes and the Persians are going to be king. And when he sees that as a as a roughly whatever eighties, uh, late seventies, early eighties year old man, um, he's starting to think, here it comes. Here's the second beast right here. The third beast is right on his heels. I know. I may well see these four things, and so it may well be that he was thinking not just about us 2,500 years later, but about him, his own self and his own people, knowing how he, uh, how he has dealt with, I mean, look at what he's gone through. Exile as a young man, uh, loss of family and friends, um, likely castrated, li likely made into force to be a, a eunuch, um, near death at, at Nebuchadnezzar's hand when, he, when uh, the wise men cannot interpret 
I cannot, cannot tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dream is, much less interpret it. Um, you might think, man, he's been through a lot. He, he, he's not going to be easily rattled. But he's easily rattled by this. Uh, and so it's important to, to know um, what he knows and see what he saw. Uh, not, not just intellectually. Uh, it's, it's far more important than intellectually. We, we, want to, um, we want to understand what to expect. We, we want to move away from the idea uh, that, uh, uh, from anger at God at what he's pre-announced. Um, because Daniel looks at it and he's in shock at what he sees. Um, the problem with talking about end times uh, so much, um, uh, like we have in this, in this chapter now, three weeks, and, and we talk about it a fair amount in this room, I'd say more than, more than most, is, um, you know, maybe people think, you know, it's a little too spooky to be talking about things that haven't happened yet. Uh, there's too many different opinions uh, on how, how things are going to actually play out, uh, what's going to take place. It's, it's actually kind of scary. I don't like hearing about that. It makes me scary, insecure, kind of scary, like, like what's really going to happen. Um, it diverts attention from the here and now. Uh, you know, why, why talk about it now? You're, you're so focused on the future and so focused on what might happen down the, the pipe that you're, that you're sacrificing the present moment, all the good you can do in the present moment, which, which is a good point. Uh, it takes away uh, maybe motivation to deal with current problems because why deal with them when everything's going to be uh, wiped out or when, when the Lord's going to come back and make it right. Um, and so these, these are these complaints, those, those kind of uh, criticisms are are not untrue. <laughs> they're, they're they're a good point. I mean, especially if, if somebody doesn't doesn't want to hear for the Missy Edwards song, piece of people running around with their fingers in the air saying, "I don't want to hear about the coming king." Um, if you're motivated not to be able to even pay attention to these things, these are really uh, these are going to be very important criticisms to you. Um, we can get so wrapped up in the end times and future that uh, that we we get kind of hogtied in the present. You know, we, we get kind of um, uh, we we think to ourselves that everything is a conspiracy, um, everything is actually wired against us, and and everything is a reason to live in a bunker and buy a fifty-five gallon barrel of beans and just make sure that we can live in that bunker for for the longest time. Um, but the Bible emphasizes a particular period in history more than any other period. That's why we talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, we we want to understand uh, this period right now. That's why we are deeply invested in the real time, day by day, mm -hmm. praying over this 50 mile radius, this very important piece of geography in this world right here, uh, in the here and now. Um, but with 80 chapters on talking about the first advent and 150 talking about the second advent, um, there seems to be something really important about this particular generation talking about usins, talking about this particular time. There seems to be something really important that the Lord says. Um, and so we want to be informed ahead of time to combat what is going to be one of the biggest problems when these things start to go south, which is offense at God, which is putting your fist in his face, which is being mad because he didn't do what you did. Your parents worshiped the Lord. They followed the Lord, and they were, they were uh, acceptable. They were economically prosperous. They had all these good things going with us. And why now, God? Why am I the one who has to suffer through all this? There's going to be that accusation easily prompted by the accuser whispering in your ear that, that God is not as faithful as he said he was going to be. He, is, he has chosen you to be um, stamped under by this one. 
Um, and um, we want to combat that offense of God. We want to actually uh, be like Habakkuk. That's why we went through the book of Habakkuk a little bit, was, was understand how his mind transferred, trans, uh, transformed from being mad at God to coming around and saying, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, though there's no figs on the vine, though the olive tree uh, cast its fruit, and though the flocks are all scattered, I will. The Lord is my king, and I will trust him. That, that's, that's where I want to be. That's where I want us to be. Um, and hopefully it will help uh, during the agony of one of the most important, I mean, one of the most uh, horrible things that's going to happen during that time, which, which Jesus talks about, the agony of betrayal, of, of being betrayed by, by brothers and sisters and family members, and, um, et cetera, who, who basically uh, can't stand to suffer in the way that may be required from some of us. And, and now we're, there's just betrayal. It's going, to be, it's going to be agony. And unless we have eyes for him and love for him, it's going to be difficult. Um, but meanwhile, uh, these days, what do we do? We, we continue, I keep zeroing in on what Daniel zeroed in on, which is we follow Jeremiah's instruction. Uh, we, we live out our lives in marriages, in jobs, in children, in city involvement. Um, we, we, uh, we work for prospering the place that we're in right now and the here and now. We work for that in real time, all the while knowing what, what might be coming down the pike. Um, but also, really important to be honest about where your heart is at. You know, the secret deals that you've made with God, the secret agreements, I call them like the secret handshakes, meaning, uh, God, you and I know that, uh, that I'm following you because I want this certain thing from you. You know, I, I, want, I want a happy marriage, I want children, I want grandchildren, I want a better job, I want this healing, I want that sort of, sort of thing. And so uh, I've got this conditional following, Lord. It's a secret deal, you and I. And I will follow you as long as that secret deal is preserved. But once it's clear that that secret deal is no longer off, I'm going to consider the covenant and broken it and I'm out of here. We want to be honest about what those things are uh, and, and get rid of them. I'd say that about Dan. I'd also point out with this chapter 7 that there's not a whole lot here that encourages a strong view of the rapture. Um, sorry, you know, but the view of the, the idea that there will be a rapture, but in terms of a rapture of the church such that we don't suffer any of the agonies of those three and a half years is not supported by this, by this section of Daniel at all. Um, and so uh, we, we will be worn down um, and things will look bad, but we will eventually be victorious over this fourth beast, and the rapture will happen. I believe it happens at the seventh trumpet. Um, <clears throat> um, we're victorious in the end. Finally, the, the, the thing that gets me about this particular chapter, just imagining Daniel on his bed 2,500 years ago, um, he never would have imagined uh, that there was a son of man who, uh, that he saw in his vision, that one, that that one would actually come to earth and live. It was well after Daniel's time. Um, come out, come and live on the earth. Um, imagine, imagine telling Daniel, hey, there was a man who came, um, and he came and he spoke the words of God, and he did miraculous healings. And in fact, there was no disease that he did not heal. He healed blindness, Daniel. He healed blindness. He raised people from the dead. 
Um, can you imagine? And and uh, and the Jewish people and the Romans authority at the time they decided astoundingly that he had to be killed um, because of the because the, from the Jews' perspective he was claiming to be God, and which just couldn't be in their minds. And from the Romans, he's a threat to the peace that defined who they were. So despite this, this, the good that he did and the fact that he was that son of man you saw in your vision, the Jews killed him. That, that would seem to Daniel like that, that's what I'm talking about. That, that is the, the horror of, of, um, of negative events that, are, that, are, that happen. And, and you say, but yeah, yeah, but Daniel, <laughs> uh, guess what? <laughs> it was, he was raised from the dead. The third day he sits glorious at the right hand of the Father. Um, he got, he, Daniel gets a glimpse of the end of the story that we know, that there's bodily resurrection, that there's a Holy Spirit given, um, and the church and the saints are born, and the bride of Christ is called out. And so that's the hope of his vision. You know, and that's our, that's our day to day, where Daniel sees what happened to that son of man. Um, and we, and we, we look back at history and we think, that's why I love him so he, he went through that and knowing that it's unto a purpose, knowing that the place that we're going is really, really, really worth the price that's paying because it's because he paid it all for us. Um, so uh, that's Daniel 7. We'll, next time we get together in this kind of format, uh, we finally go on to chapter 8. But uh, I, I just want to um, pray for us a little bit and uh, I don't know if you want to um, do a little prayer meeting around something I can play. Can we ask a few questions too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me pray and then we'll uh, ask questions. Okay. Um, so, Jesus, um, your command over history, your command over our lives, your command over the church, your command over society, it, it's unquestioned. There's nothing that slips through your fingers. There's nothing that surprises you. There's not anything that happens that that is a shock to you or that is unexpected. Mm-hmm. Thank you that you can be trusted to that degree. How profound and amazing it is that all we did was say yes to you. All we did was say yes, I believe. And now we're wrapped up in this grand drama we get to be with you forever. We get to be those ones that administer the kingdom with you. You hand the kingdom to the saints of the Holy One. You hand the kingdom to the saints of the Most High. It's astounding, God. And courage rise up in our hearts. A joy rise up in our hearts, knowing that you know the end from the beginning. Praise you, Lord, for Daniel. Thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness in preserving this and for our time. Amen. Yeah, uh, easy questions. Yeah, this is kind of probably a minor point, but I'm wondering about it. Like the ten nations, I guess I was always thinking maybe the Antichrist would be a leader of one of those ten nations, but it sounds like maybe he won't be, but he'll be like, an 11th king, which means maybe he's a king, maybe he's like a leader of an 11th nation. And then he takes over three in the 10 nation confederation, or do you think he would be part of the 10 nation confederation or 
or does it kind of lead us to believe that he's actually kind of outside of the ten nations, but then he sort of forcefully right it's um verse twenty four as for the ten horns out of that kingdom out of that kingdom that exists, the fourth beast kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them. So some of the commentaries talk about the different phases of this of this thing where there's a ten nation coalition, and then this this um, little horn arises chronologically later, like later in time. Um, uh, but that's that's why. In fact, I think I I I remember talking about this either last time or time before, and I think I said that it, that he came out of that ten nation coalition, and I realized that that's not true. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's contrary to this verse, which is he'll arrive, uh, it'll be in 11, so, yeah. And I don't know, you know, <laughs> it, it really is pretty consistent with the commentaries. All, almost all of them, except for Bickle, say, don't, don't stand on that 10. I, I'm kind of standing on the 10, but I'm really standing on that 3. It was, uh, so, so, you know, We'll get to it eventually, but when you see that world leader able to make peace with Israel and the Arab nations and get that temple built, and he's esteemed because he's done what nobody's been able to do since 1948 plus. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you see three kings that are subdued at that time, you know, that's going to be pretty key. Yeah. But yeah, they're great questions. Any other questions? Well, I wanted to add to that thought from Abraham. I remember 